0: All right, so we'll get into the word. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the precious blood of Jesus, which we will speak about, Father, in reverential uh, terms and holy terms, Lord according to your will uh, we will declare the things that you want us to declare about your covenant of blood and what you have done for us and we thank you and we bless you for what you're imparting tonight in jesus name amen and praise god so earlier today we're talking about the fact that miracles follow the blood amen miracles follow the blood we talked about some of the miracles that uh, God performed with Abraham, uh, he had a child when he was past age. He and his wife were both past age. And they uh, had a child because they cut a blood covenant with God. Amen? Uh, they had the covenant. Abraham's part was circumcision of the flesh. That was a token of his blood being shed. But God had shed the greater blood with the slaying of his son before the foundation of the earth. So we said that because God had taken a pre-understanding of what we would need for redemption, that there's no failure in his covenant. Whenever you have all knowledge, you can always thwart the attempts to overtake your knowledge. You got me? God has all knowledge. Any knowledge that comes from another source, he can always override it because he's got all knowledge. He knows everything. He can figure out everything. He has an answer for everything. He has a remedy for everything, and he has a cure for everything. So the fact that God is all-knowing means that his plan of redemption came even before the fall of man. Before we disobeyed God, he already had made the way back. And that scene in Genesis chapter 3 where God had Adam and Eve. He he's killed an animal and covered them with the skin of that animal to symbolically say that one day he would send a savior into their lives who would annihilate the devil completely. So any shedding of blood in God's covenant rituals points to Jesus Christ as the ultimate sacrifice. And so there's some demonstrations of God honoring the blood throughout the word of God <clears throat> that I think would be beneficial for us to look at some of those. In the book of Exodus, we see God wanting to redeem his people. He had already prophesied that his people would stay in bondage for 420 years. These are the children of Israel. They would stay in bondage in Egypt and then uh, they would be redeemed and they would be led out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And so God is setting that up right now in that he is coming uh, to redeem his people. One of the signs that God is getting ready to do something great in the earth, is that the enemy makes a bid to destroy humanity. And so what what uh, happened uh, with the Pharaoh is they were told, uh, the, the Pharaoh warned the midwives not to allow any Hebrew children to be born alive, especially the males of those families to be born alive. And so whenever you see the aborting of babies, Jesus' return to the earth is imminent. Amen. There is something that is is inherent in the understanding that God is about to do something mighty in the earth, and it will usually involve destroying of innocent life in a mass scale. And so we see this several times in the Word. We see it at the birth of Jesus, don't we, when Herod announced all those babies. And we saw it in the book of Exodus. And both times God was bringing new revelation, new understanding of himself, bringing a change in the way he deals with man that is is uh, revolutionary as far as the lives of people on the earth are concerned. So I believe that with the worldwide sanctioning of aborting babies now, that God is imminent to return and make a change in the way that we perceive life, amen, in the way we live our spiritual lives and our natural lives, because God Himself will come and visit the earth to stop the slaughter of humanity, amen. He will do that Himself. And so we must understand that, uh, these, these, uh, uh, events tend to run in a cycle there's some characteristics about them that you see familiar uh, for certain reasons and you know some change is imminent and and this is the way god operates he is not going to allow humanity to be destroyed because he is the god who kills and makes alive he is the giver of life and he is the redeemer and the savior And so he wants his people to begin to cry out to him so that he can avenge the blood of the innocent that have been slain worldwide. Not just in this country, but worldwide. And so we have to understand, and that is why God is going to visit every area of the earth with his power and with his glory so that we can escape the power of darkness and, and evil princes can be uh, shut down in their attempts to control and to manipulate and to destroy. And so God wants us to understand how his blood operates in spiritual forces and in spiritual realms so that we can begin to... Uh, ed, ed, uh, I don't want to say take advantage in a negative way, but avail ourselves of the privileges and the the uh, powers that we have in God. So in uh, Exodus chapter 12, we see the institution of the Passover. This Passover was instituted because... God is now getting vengeance on Pharaoh who has kept his people in bondage for over 400 years. I think it was 490 years. And to the day that that was supposed to come to pass, God raises up Moses. And he Moses has confronted Pharaoh 10 different times. God sent 10 different plagues. Plagues are always warning, folks. They're not judgment. Wow. Uh-huh. They're warnings, they're not judgment. They're warnings of judgment to come if you don't repent. Yes. When, when uh, God took the children of Israel out of Egypt and Pharaoh's chariots and horsemen drought that was judgment, okay? Just so you're clear about the difference. The plagues were warning, giving warnings, giving the Egyptian people under Pharaoh a chance to see God's power and to see his glory before he judged that nation and slaughtered everybody. And so we will see similar things worked out in the earth. God is now warning people with uh, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, things of that nature in different places because he is giving man a chance. He is allowing us to repent. He's allowing the church to get out and show people the way. And he is allowing us to be able to uh, cause many to be saved from the judgment to come. And so anytime there are plagues and, and things of that nature These are warnings, and it's warnings to seek God, warnings to turn away from your sin, warnings that life on earth is a vapor, and it doesn't last long for many, many people. And so it's time, you know, so to speak, run for cover, but run to Jesus. And so in Exodus chapter 12 In verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak you to all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take them to every man a lamb, according to the house.'" of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household is too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two-side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eat not raw, eat, don't eat it raw or boil, sodden with water, but roast it with fire." the head with the legs and the pertinence thereof, and you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until morning shall you burn with fire. Now, God is instituting what we, this is an Old Testament uh, type of what we received last night at the communion table. We see received elements of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what they're receiving here in a type, a type of the body and the blood of Jesus, which God has slaughtered in the natural, but released in the realm of the spirit to give us new life that will sustain us during difficult times. This blood that is being shed in the Passover is blood that will cause miracles to happen for the nation of Israel as they obey God once this Passover sacrifice is made. And so miracles always follow the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. If those people had not obeyed God in this, this, uh, uh, this ceremony and this sacrifice, they would have been killed right along with the Egyptians. Because God sees no difference between us and a sinner except for the blood. He says, when I see the blood, I will pass over. The death angel will pass over you and select you out of all the people in Egypt. Everybody's going to be killed that night, but I must see the blood in order to pass over you. Amen. So this visibility of the blood in our lives is very, very important even now, even more so now. We have a better covenant based on better promises, but God must see the blood in order for death to pass over, sickness to pass over, poverty to pass over, all of the things, the elements that are against us will pass over if God sees the blood. And so, When he was dealing with Israel, it was because they, he wanted a people who would come out of sin and come out of bondage and worship him. You have to be free to worship God. You can't worship God restricted. You can't worship God according to man's dictates and you know, don't lift up your hands, don't shout, don't make noise, don't do this, don't do that. You can't worship God. You have to be free to worship God. Amen. The Bible says whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so when you, whenever you set your your face to worship the Lord, there is a freedom that must come to your heart in order to do what God wants you to do. So when they were in Egypt, they couldn't worship God. In in Exodus chapter 8 and verse 6, if you'll turn there real quickly, we're not going to stay there, but you need to see this. People say, well, why didn't they stay right there and worship right there? Well, I'll tell you why. In Exodus chapter 8, verse 6, let me see, is that 8-6? I hope it's 8-6. <laughs> Probably not. Probably six eight. Hang on. <laughs> when. Moses was telling Pharaoh to let the people go so that they could worship the Lord. And Pharaoh refused to do it. Moses said, we can't worship here because our worship is an abomination to the Egyptians. I'm sorry, it's 26, 826. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, 826. 826. Moses said, "'It's not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to our Lord, to the Lord our God. And lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and they not stone us?' So if they had stayed there and worshipped God right there in Egypt, they would have been stoned to death by the Egyptians." It's kind of like dead churches that you go into. You got, you start praying in tongues and you go to lift up your hands and worship God and the ushers come and one stands on one side, one stands on another ready to restrain you. Amen. Because your worship is an abomination to dead people. The worship of, of, of God's people was an abomination to the Egyptians and they would have been taken out to be stoned. It's just like um, Muslims, some of the radical Muslims will kill Christians. They do it all the time because what we do is an abomination to them and they feel they have the right to stop it or put it down. And so Moses refused, God refused to let his people worship him in fear. Amen. He refused to let them worship him in jeopardy. He wants you free. The one true and living God wants you free to worship him. You don't worship him with man's permission and you don't worship him. people think you ought to work. You worship him the way the spirit tells you in spirit and in truth. Amen. And so God set up set a, a, in motion an opportunity for his people to be free to worship him the way he wants them to worship him. And so if we see it over now. You can turn to chapter 12 again in Exodus. And God tells them to take a lamb for each household. And if that lamb is too large for that one household to consume all of it, he says, go out and find neighbors and split it with them. But I want the whole lamb consumed. That's what he tells us. Christ in us, the hope of glory It's too large just for us. You can't keep your salvation to yourself if you try real hard. you got to tell somebody sometime about it. It's the same principle here. When he says this lamb is going to be, if it's too large for you and your family, consume all of it. I want you to go out and share it. That's where we share the gospel with people. Because what we have is too great, too powerful, and too large just to dwell within us. It's got to burst out and be shared with everybody. And so in Egypt that night, the the children of Israel went out and began to call neighbors and say, this night... God is gonna strike everybody dead. If you want to be protected, come to my house. You have to partake of this lamb, but you have to stay in my house all night long in order to be protected. And so they got many, when you, when you turn over in the book of Exodus after they cross the Red Sea, you'll see that there is what the Bible refers to as a mixed multitude of people, not just Hebrews. There were some Egyptians, there were some conniptions, there was some everybody that wanted to get out when people when people found out there was a safe place for them to go and they would not be killed, then they knew that they had and those people were convinced. Because many Egyptians saw the plagues and they saw that God's people were different. They were being treated different than they were. And they wanted in on this. So you would have many Egyptian people running for cover into the house of the Hebrew people just for that reason. And so God was able to get many, many people under the blood. Amen. Into the protection of God so that the death angel would pass over them that night. And so <clears throat> God says, he says, uh, he tells them in verse 11, you will eat of it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. In other words, be packed up and ready to go. That's another thing. Many people don't think God would give them urgent instructions. To get up and go do something right now. But how many of us have, have felt an urge, just an urgency, just a pushing to get up and go do something. And we found out we avoided destruction or we avoided an accident or we avoid- avoided something like that. So God wants to spare people, but it has to be a blood covered or blood bought people. That he looks at that he can spare. And he says I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. And will kill all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So really God is fighting other spiritual entities in this situation. He is not just killing people for the sake of killing people. But these gods of Egypt have challenged him that they're more powerful than he is. And our God meets every challenge and he defeats every foe. So whenever you're involved in any kind of struggle, any kind of, of um, uh, uh Warfare. Any kind of resistance. Know that these are spiritual forces that are resisting you and they are challenging your God. This isn't personal between you and the devil. This is something the devil started against God before we were even thought of. And so this, this warfare continues down into the realm of the earth. And God continues to pursue Satan and all these false gods, all of these ones that are perpetrating lies on people, deceiving people. He wants them put down in their proper place. And so he says, I am defying the gods of the Egyptians. This ain't personal, baby. But I, but a part of the deal is that I'm giving everybody who will a chance to escape. And if they will obey me and show me that they respect me as God and not the gods that the Egyptians are worshiping, the frogs, the lice, the river, everything, they worship everything. They worship many gods and they had people confused and had them in bondage. And they also were impinging on the children of Israel. Because many of the children of Israel dabbled over in the pagan God thing. And so God wants people free to worship him so that he can bless our lives. He wants to take care of us, but it has to be according to his way and according to his rules. And so God sets forth then here, he sets forth a pattern of how he deals with man. He cannot deal with us directly if we are in sin. So he has to make a way for our sins to be forgiven and for us to come unto a shelter of safety in him. And he says here, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will kill all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So God is ready to set not just the, his children free, but the Egyptians free too. Because if he destroys their gods, they will be free to seek him and to worship him, those that are left, those that are spared. And so he says, And this day shall be unto you a memorial, and you will keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast and an ordinance forever. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away the leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eats leavened bread bread, for the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No matter of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat. That only may be done of you, and you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this self same day I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe this day in your generations and ordinance forever. In the first month... On the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever shall eat that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land." You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your habitation shall you eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Draw out and take a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lentil on the side post with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of this door until the morning. And so God set up a a shelter and a safety for his people based on them obeying the instructions for putting the blood on the doorpost and across the top of the house. God said that blood is for me to see. It's not for the Egyptians to see it And want to stone you because you've made a sacrifice right here in Egypt. So God will have us defy certain powers that are putting pressure on us to conform to them in order to show him that we will obey him. You must obey him no matter what the resistance, no matter what the nagging, no matter what the criticizing, no matter what the condemnation. You must obey God and not be afraid of man. He's going to demand that from his people. He always demands it of us. Think about the, the Israelite who was afraid of the Egyptians and afraid he'd get stoned to death. He stayed there and died. Because God said the the death angel is going to pass over the ones where I see the blood, but he's going to kill the firstborn in every household that does not have the blood over the doors. This is no time for disobedience. This is no time for God told me something else. This is no time for, but God told me already what I'm supposed to do and I'm not supposed to do that. This is no time for anybody having their own way to salvation. This is a time for everybody be obedient to what God has told them to do. And so God then institutes this Passover, this visibility of blood that he must see in order for death to pass over, in order for sickness to pass over, in order for uh, uh, any kind of condemnation to pass over. You couldn't be anxious about what was going on outside. If God says stay until morning, you stay until morning. Think of the disobedient, curious people, nosy people that want to peek out the door and see what was going on. You got me? And so this is no time for the curious. This is no time for the disobedient and rebellious. This is a time for obedience to what God wants to have done because he says there's one condition. I must see the blood in the places where I told you to apply it. Amen. So it's the same thing with us today. God must see His the blood of his son in the places where he has told us to apply it. Now what does that mean for us today? How do we show God the blood? How do we show him that we are covered in the blood of his son? Well, number one, you have to come to him in repentance and you must come to him in confession of your sins. We covered this today, but it has to be covered over and over again because I'm afraid we got too many preachers promising people too many things based on no conditions whatsoever. And so you'll see this, this thing, this lax understanding of what the blood entails for us, what the blood entitles us to do. So God must see the blood visible in your life at all times. What does that mean? God must see your righteousness. He must see his righteousness on you and not you trying to do everything right to get his approval. Now, you can try that, but it doesn't work. He must see the blood in order for him to pass over certain things, to pass over your situations, pass over your life, pass over the things that that you hold dear, pass over your children, pass over your grandchildren. God must see the blood at all times. That means somebody's got to walk in obedience to him. Amen? Just like they had to strike it over the doorpost and, and over the lintel of the house, You have to do some obediences in God so that he can see the blood applied to your life and see that you love him and you will obey his commandments no matter what happens. And so even in threatening uh, condemnation and threatening persecution and all that, God still must see the blood of his son active in your life. And availing everything that you need in order for you to escape some of the the plagues that will will hit uh, the the nations around us and the people around us. And so God is able to save them with a great salvation after uh, he comes through with the death angel. It says he will pass through in verse 23 and smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood upon the lentil and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over that door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your house to kill you. And this is why you'll see some people, some of the saints of, of generations past will plead the blood of Jesus. They'll let the blood begin to speak higher than what their situation is. Many times God has honored that when saints would say, just say, I plead the blood, Lord, I plead the blood. There have been people who have been healed instantly, just using that phrase because they are reverentially understanding that it's the blood that paid the price for their sin and the price for what they are requesting from God. Amen? The need that they have from God. And so any kind of reverence toward the blood of Jesus, pleading the blood of Jesus, repentance, confessing of sins, washing yourself in the blood. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood is cleansing me again from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, that I can stand righteous before you because you see the blood. You don't see my sin. You don't see my past. You don't see any wrong in me. I stand righteous before you, because not because I do everything right and I haven't cussed anybody out in three days, but because I am confessing that I need you, that I'm depending on what you did, In my place and not my good behavior to earn anything from you, I plead the blood. So when you enter that plea, that blood begins to speak for you. That blood says, she's righteous. She's wearing my righteousness. She's got on the right robe. Death angel pass over her finances. Death angel pass over her grandchildren. Death angel pass over her, her expected, the, the expectant grandchild in the family. Death angel pass over all of that. Amen. Amen. And so we don't have to put up with the threats of the enemy. We don't have to put up with anything because of the blood. Miracles always follow the blood. Verse 28, it says, And the children of Israel went away and did as Moses commanded. Moses and Aaron, uh, so did they did what they said. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on the throne to the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt and there was not a house that there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up and get you forth uh, from among my people, both you and the children of Israel. And go serve the Lord, as you have said, also take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone. And bless me also. (laughs) And the Egyptians, you know, the only way he could be blessed is be in the household with the blood over it. Amen. The Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we are all going to be dead men if we don't get rid of these people. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, and their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. They borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and gold and clothing. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent to them or gave to them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Amen? God wants us to understand when he He preserves us and saves us, he saves us not broke, busted, and disgusted. That's who we were before we met the Lord. But we go out with a high hand. See, when you're born again, you're born into wealth automatically. You don't have to give your way into wealth. You don't have to sow your way into wealth. You read that Bible. If We have a better covenant. They were rich leaving Egypt, and they don't have the covenant that we have. But God will not send you out on a journey you don't know where totally broke and without provision. Besides which, the Egyptians owed them severance pay anyway. They worked them as slaves for all them years. huh? So now God is the only one who can give you um, reparations, you understand what I'm saying? You see that, that little word being floated around now, you know, people, some people in this country think, oh yeah, all the slaves, people used to be African Americans gotta get reparations for all the years of slavery that they were slaved, you know? Well, then people's dead. Excuse me? Isn't that been that many years ago? I've never been enslaved. I never inherited slavery from my parents either. You understand what I it mean? Ah, it's free. Amen. Hallelujah. They're talking about reparations to uh, American Native Americans now, because oh, you stole the land. The white man stole the land. Ain't nobody stole nothing, huh? You got it on record. They, how much did they pay for Manhattan Island? Everything's been paid for. You understand what I'm saying? Don't believe this nonsense. People just try to keep you upset and angry about stuff that never even happened to you. Just cut this nonsense out. You know, people have been wanting to have race wars forever. We ain't having none. We're all one people in Christ. You understand me? Ain't nobody mad and nobody around here. Nobody owes me anything. But I'm telling you, God will make it good and he'll make it right. And if God told them to borrow money from them Egyptians and the Egyptians gave it to them, it must be owed them because God ain't highway robbing nobody either. God doesn't have to rob anybody to take care of his children. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything belongs to him. And we are his heirs. But those people, those Egyptians, were getting an opportunity to worship God and to sow into God's people so they could come under the shelter of God. Many of those people that gave their jewels and things to their uh, Hebrew neighbors Wound up staying in that house that night with them. You got me? They showed favor, and the Hebrews showed favor back. So they were able to go out with a high hand, the Bible says. They went out wealthy and they went out healthy. The Bible says there were they, they he brought them out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribe. The day you're born again, you have that status. You have wealth and you have health. You're not feeble. Amen. And you maintain that status by allowing God to see the blood on your life every day that you live at all times. Always stay obedient to God. Stay under the shadow of the Almighty. Keep short accounts with God. Don't don't run around grudge holding against people and, and being small like that. Always be the person who wants to be the first to forgive and the first to go to God and ask for forgiveness. Because when he sees the blood, he must make every angel that's trying to destroy you pass over your life. Just keep the blood showing, amen? Walk in the spirit. Don't obey the lusts of the flesh. Don't run after things. Run after God. And when he sees that blood covering your life, he will bless you and he will increase you. He will multiply you and he will favor you. There's so many good things that happen. And so the children of Israel head out. And they're able to come to, uh, the Red Sea. And this was the first miracle that God performed for them when they escaped out of Egypt. Amen. <clears throat> Let me see, where is that? A- Exodus chapter 14. If you'll turn over there. Who we said, miracles follow the blood. Yes. Amen. And verse starting in verse 21. Thank you, Jesus. God sent an angel to go before the children of Israel to show the way, to pave the way. Angels go and fight demonic forces to give us access into different areas of life that we need to get involved in. The Bible says his glory, that is his angel, his angelic forces, goes before us and it is our rear guard. So we we are encased in legions of angels in everything that we do in life. They go before you to prepare the way for you. They clear the way for you. So that the death angel, the sickness angel, the poverty angel, the lying angel, the deceiving angel, the angel that wants to cause you uh, to fail and and to take a wrong turn so that you won't be blessed. All of those forces are moved out of the way so that you can walk safely through life. If that didn't happen, you couldn't get out of your bed in the morning without tripping and falling and breaking your neck. The devil wants to kill us so bad. You understand what I'm saying? You have angels that babysit you all night long. They sit and they watch over your soul. They watch over your life. They protect you. The Bible says they hold you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. They don't even want you to hit a pebble with your foot. That's how much they want you protected. And so you have to understand that God has much angelic protection, just like he had for for the children of Israel when they first came out of Egypt. So here we are in Exodus 14, verse 21. It says, verse 20, uh, no, verse 19 will go there, and the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud of darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these. So to the Egyptians, when they looked out into the night, it was darkness, but on the, uh, the uh, Hebrew side, there was light. So God is light and darkness all at the same time. Amen. He, He keeps people away from us through their own darkness. Yes, yes, huh? Yes. They can't comprehend and understand. You know, people say, well, you, how come you have to go out of town? Your church take you out of town. Huh? So demons like you can't be around me all day long. Sometimes you need to leave town to get away from some people. You got me? It keeps the devil confused. It does. God has his reasons for everything. You understand me? When you tell people you're following God, he's going to make you prove that. You are following him. Amen? Amen. So when he the, the he begins to put a darkness on the side where the Egyptians are, they can't see anything. It's black as night. But on the Hebrew side, they got light all night long. Amen. And so God has fire for them and darkness for the Egyptians. We're we're in uh 21 and Moses uh, it says here so that one didn't come near to the other all night long. So they were all in the same area, but they never knew the other was there because of the separation that God had put between his people and the Egyptians. And it says that Moses stretched out his hand, verse 21, over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. So Moses stretches out his hand, the sea recedes, and it's a wall that's built on either side. And while that wall is built, God sends a big blow dryer through there and dries up, and so they don't even have to walk on mud. Amen? God is so concerned with our safety. Now, it could have been an all-night slip and slide and slip and fall and People passing out their lawyer's cards and all that kind of stuff. But God made a dry land so that they can go safely across to the other side. God, when he saves you, he saves you into the ark of safety. He doesn't save you into peril. I've known people that have been afraid to, when they would go somewhere and get saved and living with a house full of heathens, they're scared to go home and tell anybody that they got saved. You know, oh, no, they don't like God in my house. They're going to do it. But they go in there and people just look at them and say, well, you look different. You act different. What happened to you? Amen. You're not going to go there and get hurt and upset and all that kind of stuff. You, you are saved into an ark of safety. People will start wanting to do things for you. They want to bless you once you come into the life of Christ. Amen. They may not like it here and there, but they can only go so far. Amen. I would say first, my husband wasn't saved until ten years after I came to the Lord. And there were many times he would get angry with me about stuff. He said, but but I know, I know, I know, you're going to do it anyway, right? I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway, amen, because I love God. And so even though there may be conflict, you are saved into an ark of safety, amen. You're not saved into any kind of peril. And so the children of Israel, verse 22, went into the middle of the sea upon dry land And the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked into the host of the Egyptians through the pillar uh, of fire and the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians." and took off the chariot wheels, that they drove drove them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand again over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen, Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled against it and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea and the waters returned and covered their chariots and horsemen and all the horse of, horsemen of Pharaoh that came to the sea after them they remained not so much as one of them but the children of Israel pimped on a cross on dry land Amen. Shoes not muddy. If you wanted to wear high heels that day, you could wear them. Amen. If you wanted to wear a a maxi dress, you could have worn that and never got dirty. Amen. Because God saves us into safety, into comfort, into blessing. You don't just barely get saved and scrounge the rest of your life. God brings you out with a high hand and an outstretched arm. He brings you out in safety, prosperity, peace, and comfort. You don't have to give your way into anything. You can give your way into a greater blessing, but you're already wealthy. Because you got the king of wealth living on the inside of you. You're already healed because the healer lives inside of you. Let him take over more of your life and more of your body so that you can really experience the healed life and the prosperous life in God. You don't ever have to be afraid that God's not going to do something for you. He's going to shortchange you. Or something's not going to work. Or you got to work so hard to get God's favor. You don't have to. You've got it already. Amen? If they had it, we had it too. And so the first miracle then was the crossing of the Red Sea. That blood entitled them to a safe crossing and sparing of their lives when all the enemy died. The firstborn of all the enemy died and then all the rest of their soldiers drowned. God says, when I see the blood. Amen. Amen. I will cause death, destruction to pass over you. So the Red Sea parted. and They came across as on dry land. Miracle number two, the pillar of cloud. Cloud by day and the fire by night never departed from the children of Israel. They had supernatural heat at night when it got cold. The desert is very cold at nighttime. And then they had supernatural... Uh, shade in the daytime so a cloud followed them everywhere they went for 40 years this cloud never departed from them all because of that one act of obedience and shedding the blood that one act of obedience in the passover lamb and the shedding of blood paid for miracle after miracle after miracle exodus 14 Twenty-five through thirty-one, we read that Pharaoh's chariots and horsemen stopped in the middle of the Red Sea. God held them there by taking the wheels off their chariots. Huh? Because the Egyptians were hard after the children of Israel, and and the, the Hebrews were walking. And the Egyptians were in they you know, mobiles. So they could have easily overtaken them had God not done something to intervene and disable the enemy against them. Every devil that comes against your life is disabled. (laughs) See, we give them more power in our lives than we need to. Because of their exaggerated way of speaking to us, their way of instilling fear in us, their way of threatening us and telling us what they're going to do. you Listen to that long enough, you will be scared. But he's just a disabled. Imagine uh, 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 somebody threatening to hurt you and they've got a concussion and a bandage on their head. They're walking with a crutch on one arm and, and the foot is bound up on the other and telling, I'm going to get you. I'm gonna. That's what him, well, he's disabled. I'm Amen. Cool, yeah. He is totally disabled, a disabled oh, foe. Jesus yeah. said, I spoil principalities and powers. I made an open show of them. In other words, every spiritual force in the universe knows the devil has no power. Only the power to deceive. If you listen to him long enough, you will be loopy. And so you have to understand that you're dealing with a disabled foe. He has no strength against the child of God. So Pharaoh's chariots stopped and the wheels came off of them. And God did it so he could hold them right there in the middle of the Red Sea long enough for Moses to stretch out his hand again and cause the water to come back over and drown the egyptians you have to have in order to work for god and prosper and do well and stay healed you have to have a killer instinct as far as the things of darkness are concerned you can't tolerate a little bit of nonsense you can't tolerate a little bit you can't to, you can't you can't be a tolerant person You've got to have a killer instinct when it comes to evil. You gotta have a killer instinct when it comes to things that are wrong. You can't always try to understand everybody that's being disobedient to God. You can't you can't afford to run after people who are running away from God. Where you think you're gonna go? You understand what I'm saying? And so you gotta have a killer instinct about just like Moses looked at them Egyptians and he could have left his hand up, but he said, kill them amen and the waters came in it was either kill or be killed you understand what i'm saying you got to be like that if you're going to be successful in the things of god you got to have a kill or be killed attitude when it comes to the devil i'm not talking about people we don't wrestle against flesh and blood you got to have discernment to know the difference and we all have it we just like to muddy it up sometimes you understand what i'm saying but keep keep the you know, people drive me crazy when they put color clothes and white and light clothes together in the washing machine. That just makes me up uh, very upset. I don't care if it's just one white sock. Don't put it in there with them dark clothes. Amen. Keep them white clothes so they can stay white and them dark clothes so they can be what they gonna be. But don't be mixing the laundry up. Huh? You know, a good man, a fire woman for that. Yeah, I said it. I said it. I ain't taking it back either. Don't put your athletic socks and undershirts and all that stuff in there with the jeans and no, don't go there. Don't, don't do that to me. So you gotta have a killer, <laughs> killer instinct. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Now, don't mess my laundry up, baby. You know, if you're gonna do that, I'll take it elsewhere. We ain't going there. But you gotta be that way about the devil. You gotta be that way about the forces of darkness. What you tolerate will control you one day. Yes, yes, Amen. Yes. Well, you can believe it if you want to, but I'm telling you. So Moses had the killer instinct where the Egyptians were concerned. Exodus 15. This is miracle number one, two, three, four, five, I think. In verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they were three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was Mara, warning you that this is bitter. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What are we going to drink? He cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet, Therefore he made them a statute and an ordinance. There he proved them and said, If you will do this, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, do that which is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord that heals you. And they came to Elim where there were 12 wells of waters, three score and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. So they began to obey God. This, this was miracle number five, where they came upon water that was contaminated and stinking, and it was full of disease, and they could smell it, and they knew they couldn't drink it. God took that water and purified it for them by a miracle. Now the tree represents, people say, the branch. When you look in the book of Isaiah, you see the word, the branch, represents Christ Jesus. Whenever Jesus, with when his blood, is applied to any situation, it takes the death out of it, it takes the poison out of it, it takes the trouble out of it, It takes the demonic forces out of any situation where his blood is applied. And so you see here uh, a miracle that's a part of this first striking of blood over the households because we haven't made any sacrifices or offerings since then. This is that one-time application of the blood of that one sacrifice that they gave that has caused miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle to happen in the life of the children of Israel. As long as they obey God, that blood is applied to their lives. And they have miracles after miracles after miracles. So the bitter water is made sweet God has given them now a covenant of healing with him. So it's not just I heal the water and you can drink it and you can live. But God says beyond just healing water for you, I'm giving you a law that you can live by that will cause you to walk in divine health every day that you live. Obedient people are not sick people. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that the devil doesn't attack people with sickness when they're obedient to God. But if you stay obedient to God, sickness will leave you. Amen? It's a Bible principle. It's a Bible promise. So many times we'll get sick for different reasons. We'll have ailments. We have aches. We have pains. Sometimes we just keep going and going and going and take care of things when they're small things. There are all kinds of reasons when we live in this earth that sickness will come upon us. Sometimes it's it's wear and tear on your body from years and years of working in certain occupations, etc., etc. But God will reverse that if you will stay obedient to him. Amen? He says, I am the Lord that healeth you. So diligently, hearken to me, do what I tell you to do, keep walking in obedience to me because it's going to pay off. Amen? If you're not well right now, it will pay off if you keep being obedient to God. Amen? It always pays off. So we begin, as we obey God, we begin to walk out of sickness and walk into health. And that's a Bible promise. Amen. So stay obedient to God. Don't get weary in well-doing. Don't, don't get tired of feeding yourself the word. Don't get tired of winting and going as though you're healed even though you're not totally. You understand what I'm saying? Allow God to, to walk you into your health and into your healing. Amen. So we have the bitter water made sweet. And we have an ordinance, in other words some laws to live by, that God has promised that if we will obey him, the sound of his voice, do what he tells us to do, he will keep us healthy and whole. If you walk out of health, you can repent and walk right back into health just like you walked out of it. Amen. In Exodus 16, we see them being fed supernaturally. uh, 16 verse 4. Why don't we start in verse 1. They took their journey from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, And the children of Israel said to them, would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and we did eat bread to the full for you have brought us forth to this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the, then said the Lord to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my laws or not. And so the children of Israel were fed supernaturally by the hand of God every morning fresh bread. They had it delivered. God had a special bakery in heaven where he had bread delivered to them at their door. They could go out and pluck it, but only enough for one day. Amen. And then they were were told the next day to go out and gather. And this is symbolic of the way that he expects us to live. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. So he expects us to pluck a fresh word from him every day. Amen. Amen. So that we can live and we can be sustained. So this manna is the bread from heaven that God sent them to sustain. Here's another miracle. Miracle number six. All of it from this one time shedding of blood and showing it to God that they were obedient to strike the blood where God said to strike it. Even though it meant death from the Egyptians, if they did that, they risked it anyway so that they could obey God and come out of bondage. Amen. And this is what we do when we we let God see the blood on our lives. We come out of bondage. We come out of of restrictions. We come out of debt. We come out of sin. We come out of uh trespass out, out of a mindset that wants to just. Do what you want to do all of the time. You come into a more holy mindset when you, the blood is applied over your life. In Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9, turn there. Now this is one, one sacrifice, folks, that has brought them all of these miracles. What what more can the blood of Jesus do for us if we would trust his one-time sacrifice to bring miracles into our lives? Amen. In Numbers 21, verse 4, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. Our soul and our soul loathes this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people. And much people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and repented and said, We have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass when everyone that is bitten, when he looks upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So here God these people disobey god now this is after god has given him, them what a statute and an ordinance in exodus 15:22 he said if you will diligently without fail that means not obey me one day disobey me the next get sloppy another day and then come back to me he says you diligently hearken to the voice of the lord your god do what's right in my sight When you murmur against God and you murmur against his servants, that's wrong. So they already had a law now before they didn't have the law, so they weren't expected to obey it. Now they have the law and they disobey it. So that's why they got the fiery serpents. You get punishment when you break the law, when there's a known law. If there's no known law, there's no transgression. Amen. And so they break the law. They were used to getting rid of, uh, getting away with complaining against Moses all. Well, God, you know, you don't left us out here in the desert to die. Moses, what you gonna do? And you, this man, Moses, I don't know where he is. He's just, he just sloughing around and all that kind of stuff. And what are you gonna do? They had done that for a long time. And God, God overlooked it because he hadn't laid down any law to them. Now that he lays down the law, they see they can't talk any way they want to talk and still be blessed and be taken care of. Amen? We would do it too if we could get away with it. You understand what I'm saying? It's hard to keep a good confession in the face of difficulty sometimes. But God expects us to do it. He doesn't expect to overlook the fact that if he tells us, He's going to give us a certain position and a certain job when it doesn't come through. We get angry and we get mad and then we don't want to pray anymore. We don't want to do what we're supposed to do anymore or we give up. Well, I wasn't sure that was my job anyway. I wasn't sure God wanted me. You understand what I'm saying? See, we can play those games. But God, when he lays down a law for us, he expects us to obey that law and keep a good confession. Keep confessing the word. Keep confessing the word, even in the face of a diagnosis, in the face of an evil report from anybody. We should keep that word in our mouths and keep worshiping and praising Him, even in the face of something to the contrary. So here the children of Israel don't have food again, and they go to complain again, and God told them, Now you gotta do what I tell you to do, or you're gonna get sick. Yes. Huh? So they start disobeying God's law and they get sick. But as soon as they realize what they have done, they go to Moses and they repent and God reverses the sickness. He does that for us. I don't care how many times we get mad and we're not going to do this no more. We're not going to God and come through for me yet and all this kind of stuff. Some people have faded in their hearts and they keep going to church. They keep doing the little things they do. But in their hearts, they're fainting away from God. And God sees that. And he says, if you will repent and come back to me, I will have something that you can behold that will heal you. Amen. And so God has Moses make this bronze serpent and puts it on a pole. And when the people look at it, they live. What that means is that if you can confront your symptoms, you'll get healed. If you can confront that thing that used to keep you in bondage, you'll get healed. You can't run from everything. you got to stand and confront some things and just stare at it and look at it and say, I dare you to put me in fear. I'm looking at you now. I'm looking straight at you, devil. And you don't scare me and you're not going to kill me and you're going to take these symptoms off of me in Jesus' name. You understand me? And so that looking at it and live is a principle of how to fight the enemy, how to fight symptoms, how to fight poverty, how to fight anything. Norval Hayes said that when he was, he had a business and he looked at the business accounts one day and realized his secretary had been stealing money for him from them, from the business and he was almost out of money. And the Lord told him to laugh at the devil. And he would get his checkbook out, and for about 10 or 15 minutes, ha, 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 ha. He laughed at the devil until he couldn't uh, think of anything else to do, and he laughed some more. That was the instruction God gave him. And he said, if you will confront that devil and laugh at him and refuse to get intimidated, I will begin to bless your business again. And Norval laughed his way into not just one, but multiple successful businesses. He was always a multimillionaire, and he preached full-time, too. So it's totally possible to do these things. But God would not have him be defeated in anything. But he had to confront that empty bank account and dare it to get any lower and it to prosper and increase with his faith. Amen. And you can do these things. We have to confront symptoms. We have to confront the devil. We have to confront the words and x-rays and tests and all that kind of stuff. We have to confront them and tell them they have no power over us. Why? Because of the blood. It's a blood that pays for us to get everything that we need. The blood has already paid for us to be healed. It's paid for us to be whole. It's paid for us to be wealthy. It's paid for us to be out of debt. It's paid for us to have an education, to have a sound mind. The blood is paid for all those things. So the devil can't cross that bloodline. He can't make the blood go away. He can't undo the shedding of blood. He can't do anything with the blood except respect it. And when he sees it, back off from your situation. Amen. Jesus healed people because he was the living blood. Amen. So here you see the blood that was promised to be slain from the foundation of the earth now come to life in the earth. And that's why when people saw Jesus, they ran to him. They were running to the blood, the life that was in him. Amen. When when he asked Peter on all those people, he gave that discourse on the blood and he told people unless they eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, they have no part in him. People left him and he looked at his disciples and said, were you going to leave me too?" And Peter said, where are we going to go? You're the only one who has life on his words. You understand what I'm saying? So that blood of Jesus speaks through his word. Amen. As he walked the earth, his blood spoke to people that he had compassion. His blood spoke to people that they could be healed. His blood spoke to people that they could repent of their sins. Amen. His blood began to speak out from his own words. So you see, this blood... That we're talking about his eternal blood is what is paid for every miracle that you see Jesus do in the Bible. Even though it had not physically been shed yet, it still has the power of speaking life to every situation it goes into. In Matthew chapter 8, we'll see, turn to Luke chapter 8. We'll talk about this lady, the woman with the issue of blood. And then I think I'll pray for people. We'll just let God minister the way he wants to minister tonight. Every miracle that Jesus performed was because he had been slain from the foundation of the earth. He was the promised blood that came into the earth in human form. It never loses its power from the foundation of the earth Luke chapter 8, we'll start in verse 43. Verse 40, when it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. But as he went, the people began to press in on him. And a woman, having an issue of blood 12 years, which has spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood uh, stayed. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, you got a bunch of people around you pressing on you and you're asking who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody has touched me because I feel that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Amen. Go in peace. Now, that word peace means wholeness. It means soundness in every part of your being. It means peace of mind, not doubting whether you're, you can keep your healing or not. You got me? Understanding that that healing is valid and it will hold. And so when Jesus ministers to her life, he does it on the authority of his blood that will be shed after he goes to the cross. God's word is eternal. His blood is eternal. God performs miracles on the basis of his commitment to shed blood, not just the actual shedding of it. He had to follow through on the shedding of it, but his word holds because he cannot lie. If he says you're healed, you're healed if he says you're prosperous you're prosperous but it's all done on the authority of the shed blood because we have to have blood remitted for us to get into righteousness so we can receive these things and so when Jesus walked the earth he is the blood talking to humanity that blood is alive in him now but it will be spilled out later for the total remission for the sins of the world for all who will re- will believe in the power of that blood to cleanse us. You cannot depend on your works of righteousness, I don't care if you are saved, to save you and to heal you and to get you better. You must depend on his shed blood and what it provides for you in order for you to have the miracle that you need in your life. Every morning when you get up, thank you, Father, for your shed blood. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that your blood was shed for me. I thank you, Lord, and forgive me of my sins, Lord. Wash me white as snow again. Allow me to come into your holy presence washed and clean and not having any penalty against me. Amen? And just allow that blood to work efficiently in your life. To provide cleansing of your mind. Get the guilt out of your mind. Get the fear of sinning again out of your mind. Get the fear of of failure out of your mind. Because God has made us new creatures by virtue of the blood that was shed. That cleanses, pays for our sins. But also is raised up on the inside of us to give us his life on the inside. So now Christ lives in us by his Holy Spirit. So the blood that was shed from from a natural man, the corporal blood that was shed, is now raised up, a spiritual blood, by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit lives in us to purify us. To help us, to guide us, to lead us, to do all things that we need to be done. But it's all from the one shed blood that was donated from the foundation of the earth. It was given permission to act on behalf of the Israelite. It was given permission to act on behalf of the Christian. It's given permission to act on behalf of sinners and those who will come to Christ by faith. So that one shedding of blood from the foundation of the earth has paid for all of the things that God's people throughout uh, history have received. Just one shedding of blood. It's that powerful. So we can have respect for that blood. Amen. We can declare that blood. We can plead that blood. Because that is the one thing that separates us from certain death, from certain sickness, from eternal separation. Is the shedding of that innocent blood from the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. Amen. Bishop Russell, you want to come up and provide some music and we're going to pray for people. It's because of the blood, folks. It's because of the blood. It's because of the blood that we stand righteous before the throne of grace. That we can put on his robe of righteousness righteousness, and we wear it well. It belongs to us. It's tailor-made for us so that it can help us meet every challenge in life. Praise God. Anybody needs prayer, you can start coming up now. Ms. Nola. you can start lining people.